0: You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. Today, we are now joined by Todd Nettleton of Voice of the Martyrs. Todd is the Chief of Media Relations. He is the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and he is global traveler finding out all the information and meeting with uh, an entire team of people who are working to move the kingdom forward in very, very hostile places, and we're talking about persecution of Christians. And so, welcome, Todd. It's been a while since we've been able to check in with you. How are you?
1: I am well. Thank you very much. It's good to be with
0: you. So glad that you have returned stateside. You're doing well, and uh, especially now, we've got a lot of things to talk about because the International Day of Prayer is coming up. Tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, it's coming up 48 hours. uh, The first Sunday in November, that's this Sunday. So uh, hopefully, your church has already planned ahead and will be a part of this day. Even if you haven't planned ahead, though, if you go to our website, persecution.com, the resources are almost all downloadable, including a video about Christians in northern Nigeria, particularly one Christian woman named Rebecca. Uh, There are church bulletin inserts that you can print out, there are slides that you can put up on a screen to have kind of a guided prayer time uh, there's even a, a sermon builder tool so if if you're a pastor if you're a Sunday school teacher and you say hey I want to I want to tie this into my message there is a tool to help you do that so you know that the end of the story is what what we really want to have happen here is every church is praying for persecuted Christians. And maybe you've already scheduled this Sunday and you say, "Wow, we missed it." No, you didn't miss it. Let's just do it on the 13th. Let's just do it on another Sunday. But the important thing is every church praying for our brothers and sisters. You know, the writer of Hebrews says, "Remember those in prison as if you were in prison with them." Well, if if we were the ones in prison, we would certainly want to know that people are praying for us outside of the prison. Yeah, absolutely,
0: because this is so vitally important, not only because we should be praying for those who are in prison, but flip that around. Tell me about
1: what the folks who are in prison say about praying for us well, one of the things that, that they share is the difference that it makes when we pray. And one of my favorite stories about the difference that it makes is from my coworker Peter Yasik, who was imprisoned in Sudan for about 14 months and out. Uh, at- one point, Peter was actually imprisoned with ISIS fighters who had been arrested there in Sudan, so he was in a very dangerous situation. These are, are radical Muslims, uh, and, and so the lights would go out at the prison every night at 9 o'clock, and Peter would just go right off to sleep, and this happened all through the 14 months that he was in prison, different cells, different prisons, different, you know, the bed was uncomfortable, the, it was noisy. Every night, 9 o'clock, lights go out. Peter goes right off to sleep. And he said, I I didn't quite understand it. Like, I, like it, it surprised me that I was able to rest in the midst of all of this stress and all of this pressure. Well, 14 months later, Peter gets released from prison. The Czech government negotiates his release. He goes back home to Prague in the Czech Republic, and he goes to church that, that first Sunday back in Prague. And the people in his church tell him, Peter— We are so glad that you're home. We prayed for you. And they said, in fact, we agreed as a church body that every night at 8 o'clock, we were going to set our phones. We were going to set an alarm. And every night, 8 o'clock, whatever we were doing, we were going to stop what we were going to do. And we were going to pray for you in prison in Sudan. And Peter instantly made the connection 8 o'clock in the Czech Republic is 9 o'clock in Sudan, the exact time that the lights were going out in all the different prisons that he was in, the exact time that he was going right off into a restful sleep, no matter what was going on around him. And he immediately knew that it was the prayers of his church congregation that explained how he was able to go to sleep every night. And so uh, sometimes people will ask me, you know, does it does it make a difference? Does it matter if we pray? Uh, I, I think Peter would say, absolutely, it matters. Absolutely, it makes a difference. It does. It truly does. You know, it, it each, you know one of the things I love about this,
0: if you go over to the website for the Voice of the Martyrs, persecution.com, there is a link down at the very bottom that leads you to different stories of persecuted activity in in persecution activity all around the globe, everything from India, Malaysia, and Central America. And uh, as you go through that, you, you understand truly what people face and why what you just said, Todd, about their prayers and how we pray, why that is so vitally important. It really connects our prayer and our relationship with our Heavenly Father with, you know, that's the vertical relationship, but horizontally it connects us to those who are living out their faith and being persecuted for it. And it is so vitally important to understand that. You know, you could take your left hand, point it to the sky, take your right hand, point it out to the person next to you, and that is the model that we have to be. We are the conduit between the persecuted and persecuted our Lord, and we get to pray on their behalf, and they are praying on our behalf. It's truly something that shows us why it's so important to pray for the persecuted church. There are children all over the globe who are – they are boldly sharing the gospel, and this is happening over in India, isn't it? In Bangladesh, is this not –
1: right – Yeah, this is a great story that's actually in our free monthly magazine this month. The story of Emily. Uh, Emily was one of two Christian children at a school of 600 people in Bangladesh. So, primarily Muslim students there, uh, some also, some uh, Hindus as well. But Emily was picked on. She was very much picked on by the other students. uh, And She had an opportunity. Her parents were pressuring the principal of the school. They said, hey, uh, these Muslim holidays, you let the Muslim students stay home. The Hindu holidays, you let the Hindu students stay home. We have Christian holidays. Our daughter is a Christian. We want her to stay home. And so they were pressing the principal, and finally he acquiesced. But then he did one more thing. He said, okay, we're going to give Easter off. We're going to say, okay, you don't have to – in fact, he gave the whole school Easter off. But Emily, this young girl, I want you to explain to the school what Easter is. And so she had this amazing opportunity to stand up in front of her whole school, and some of the parents were there. And they actually were outside, and she was on a loudspeaker. So people, even people walking by on the street, could hear this young Christian girl, she was 12 years old at the time, explain what Easter is. And so, and, and her and her parents, they just saw this as an amazing opportunity to share the gospel in this situation where, you know, it, it was completely unexpected that she would be allowed to do that. After she shared, in the months after that, several of her teachers came to her and asked for a Bible. Hey, we want to read more about the Jesus that you talked about. We want to know more about that. One of her teachers actually came to a church service with their family. So uh, it had a great impact because she was ready to speak up even in a difficult situation, even in a situation where she faced a lot of pressure.
0: That is just remarkable. You know, when you hear stories like this, and then we get squirrely around somebody, right? <laughs> We're like, When we feel like, you know, the Lord is saying, you know, say this, share, encourage, speak about Jesus, and we get all squirrely about that. And then you think about that and you go, oh my goodness. You know, this is, this is what Jesus speaks about when he talks about the children and the boldness and that we need to have the faith of a child because there's a nine-year-old in the face of this, you know, potential of persecution of what could happen to her, and and she is boldly sharing her faith. Man, we back down just because we feel
1: self-conscious, don't – isn't that crazy? It is, and for us, typically the 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 punishment, the worst possible punishment we're going to face is some awkwardness, right? (laughs) Like, like my I might be a little embarrassed in this situation. Yeah, that's different from saying, "Hey, I'm going to be beaten in this situation." So, we do have a lot to learn from our persecuted brothers and sisters.
0: (laughs) We absolutely
1: do. Well,
0: let's move now to Northern Africa. Let's go over to Ethiopia. What's happening there?
1: Yeah, this is good news. Uh, Ethiopia and Tigray, a part of Ethiopia that have been at war for the last two years, they have signed a ceasefire agreement. Looks like, uh, hopefully, it's a permanent peace agreement. But one of the things that this is not necessarily a religious war, obviously, at Voice of the Martyrs, we talk about Christian persecution, but the war has been used as kind of cover for persecution. Hey, if if someone gets shot, uh, you can just say, oh, well, it must have been the war. It must have been the soldiers. Um, And so that has happened over the last two years while this war has been going on. The other thing to watch for, and I think it will be fascinating, they have said we're going to allow aid groups into Tigray. Tigray has been very isolated, very cut off over the last two years. Um, We will see what the damage is when those aid groups is in. The other thing about this is Eritrea, which is next door to Ethiopia and is one of the worst persecutors of Christians. Eritrean soldiers have been allowed to come across the border into Ethiopia, including areas where there are Eritrean refugee camps, where our Christian brothers and sisters who have fled Eritrea have been living. Uh, And so that has been a part of this. And hopefully, Now that this peace agreement is signed, they will tell the Eritrean soldiers, hey, you guys got to go home, get out of here. You don't have a a right to be here anymore and protect those Eritreans that have fled into Ethiopia. That is uh, that does directly affect some of our Christian brothers and sisters. Oh, I imagine that. How could it not? How
0: could that not?
1: Yeah, it has been one of the things that you know the Eritreans, as they have come across, as they have had control of those camps, they have literally been able to go through and say, oh, hey, wait, we're going to take you back to Eritrea. Uh, you're wanted. We're going to take you back. So it, it has been a very dangerous and very difficult situation. And like I say, hopefully now that this peace agreement is signed, that will come to an end and the Eritrean soldiers will be told to go home. Man. What a blessing
0: that will be. I know that you've covered uh, on VOM Radio Eritrea quite extensively. Tell us what's coming up this weekend
1: on this edition. We have two gospel workers who are active in South Asia, including Sri Lanka and Bangladesh and Nepal. Uh, they will talk about what it looks like to follow Christ in those areas of the world. Uh, oftentimes, persecution starts with your family members. It starts with your own parents your own big brother uh, but they will talk about that as well as the need for gospel workers in that part of the world uh, one of the countries they oversee is the Maldives uh, the number of the percentage of christians in the Maldives is 0.003 <laughs> so there is a great need for gospel workers there is a great need for people to go and share christ my goodness and that is you know when you
0: look at that and you think uh, I, I know on a map where Maldives is And it is far from anything. (laughs) It is far (laughs) from anything. And you wonder, like, how does the gospel get there? Well, I mean, that's the answer is right there. Uh, Boy, it's just because, honestly, you're talking a very tiny,
1: tiny um, island nation. You are, and that's one of the challenges, because it is so small, it's kind of one of those places where everybody knows everybody, and so if you become a Christian, uh, it doesn't take long for people to know that, and then the government responds. they have been Christians that have been put in prison, uh, there have been Christian workers from outside that as soon as you're identified as a Christian worker, you have to go, uh, your visa has just expired, you need to leave now, um, and so it is a very difficult place to reach with the gospel yeah and I, I do know you know this is
0: interesting because there are many resorts there as well uh-huh. uh, and it's that is the kind of a place where you know people long to go they plan you know very expensive vacations to get there and the US dollar widely accepted all throughout that area no problem taking those dollars but no you can't speak the name of Jesus and right on that dollar bill it says in God we trust.
1: It does, and uh, like it, you say, it is it is a very big tour. Their their economy is very much based on tourism. Yeah, uh, but they keep they keep really wall kind of walls of separation. Like don't don't share the gospel. We don't want to hear about that. Um, so it is a difficult place. And I would encourage people. Some some folks who are listening right now are like Maldives. Where is that? Find it on a map and begin to pray because there is a need for God's spirit there. There is a need for people to go and share the gospel, even though it is risky.
0: Yeah, very much so. Well, I want to encourage people to tune in 8.30 p.m. right here on Moody Radio Indiana for Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You're going to want to check that out, of course. You're going to also want to go on over to persecution.com. And I I want to encourage you, sign up for the free magazine that Todd was just talking about, where that story comes from uh, that he just spoke on a little bit ago. But also you can understand how we can pray for the frontline workers who are across the globe who are doing this work. You can pick up the uh, Global Prayer Guide as well, and you can see the stories of individuals as you pray around the globe each year. But, uh, Todd, you while you're there, I want to recommend people to pick up a copy of When Faith is Forbidden. Tell us about the stories in there. <laughs>
1: Well, When Faith is Forbidden is a book that I wrote. This is 40 of the most powerful stories of persecuted Christians that I've heard from them over the last 20-plus years, and it has been a blessing. In fact, I talked to someone yesterday who said, man, the book was great. It really challenged me. It really blessed me. Me and that's that's always a fun conversation to have. Yeah, it is. Well, Todd,
0: we got to say thank you for uh, joining us. We will be looking forward to connecting with you in about two weeks to find out how things are changing in the face of the uh, the persecuted Christian church, but also praying for an incredible. Uh, turnout and a response on the International Day of Prayer that you guys keep seeing download after download of those resources going out. That means more and more churches are making the plight of the persecuted Christian aware in their congregations, ma'am. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: You are welcome. Have a great weekend. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.